0: and may I add my welcome to, to Tom's. My name is Adam Curtis, and I'm the curate here at Christchurch, and it is a joy uh, to be with you all. Um, because we've got a slightly smaller, uh, shorter service today, we've read all of John 21, but I'll only be preaching uh, on the first 14 verses. Um, I, I felt duty-bound that we should read it all, because that was my original task, but I felt a short sermon on such a mighty chapter was just, I wasn't going to do it justice. Um, please do keep those, uh, those Bibles open in front of you, It's page 1192, 1, um, and as we uh, come to hear from God's word, the living God speaking to us today, let's come in humility and in prayer. Dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we praise you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that it leads us, that it guides us, that you have not left us alone, stumbling in the darkness, but you want to take us home. In the name of Jesus, amen. Life is filled with burdens. You gonna have the burden of uh, responsibility. It might be the responsibility of, of raising children of uh, working out when to do the feeds, of raising teenagers and helping them think through the many challenges of life. It could be the burden of responsibility, it could be running a business and looking after these uh, employees. It could be that mighty to-do list, which seems so grand and overwhelming, more so than your capacities, uh, than you have the capacity for. There's a burden of responsibilities, but life can also be filled with the burden of decision making. We live in an age of a million voices. We hear them on, on social media and the internet. We read about them in, in newspapers. We, we feel surrounded by them in our friends and our families. And we have those voices in our own head, which can sometimes be giving us contradictory things. Which voice do we listen to? Which opinion do we follow? Which path do we go down? And we feel that burden of making a decision when there's so many voices speaking so loudly. We can have a burden of, of a situation. Maybe it's uh, of, of unwanted uh, singleness or being in a, a loveless marriage and we have that a desire for a companionship which doesn't seem to materialize. And that can leave us with a sense of, of loneliness. And we feel burdened by the situation in which we can't envision how to change. I had to run away from. Life is filled with burdens. And I get that. I feel those burdens. There's millions of voices all telling us different ways to go. Life is filled with burdens. And when we come to Scripture, we meet our King, not King Charles, even though we pray he will be a good King who will lead us well, but our true King. Our king of kings. As we come to a king of kings with such a title, such power and such authority over us, well, it feels natural to ask, well, what sort of burdens is he going to put on me? What sort of burdens will Jesus put upon me? Is he another task which I've got to tick off? Is he going to add another weight which will just crush me to the floor? Is his yet another voice whose opinion I need to think about as I make my decisions. What sort of king is Jesus Christ? And as we ponder on this uh, question about what sort of king is Jesus Christ, well, what does God have to say to us today in John chapter 21? And if we uh, look, just flick over to the page before, to give us a bit of context, we've had um, the the sentencing of Jesus, we've had Jesus' death upon the cross, We've had uh, the disciples finding an empty tomb. And then we've had these many appearances of Jesus to his followers. We had this beautiful one of Jesus uh, to Mary. And then um, uh, Jesus enters a a locked room, shows his disciples, his his wounds and his side and his hands. And he then, uh, a second time, appears to his uh, disciples in the locked room and and knows the very words of doubting Thomas and confronts him in his his doubt. And now we land here on John 21. At the beginning of the John 21, we meet our disciples. Not all of them, but some of them. And they're fishing. And why are they fishing? Well, we discover that Peter, Simon Peter, he wanted to, to go fishing. Sometimes we might think, why are you fishing? You've just met the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Shouldn't you be fulfilling some grand uh, uh, gospel proclaiming sort of task? And are they shirking their responsibilities? And I'm... I'm sort of like against sort of reading the disciples in that negative light and think they're probably fishing because they're hungry. They probably just had the most um, draining and emotionally exhausting week of their lives. Uh, and they're probably hungry. And what do your fishermen do when they're hungry? They fish. But they probably also need to earn a bit of extra dollar because they're fishermen. And that's how they can, they can pay their way through life. So they need to go out and earn their keep. And so they go out to fish. But as we uh, read here in chapter 21, they're not particularly uh, successful. At the end of verse 3, they've been out all night and yet they've caught nothing. It doesn't seem to be going particularly well. And as they are probably dwelling in their frustration of a whole night of hard work, fishing and catching nothing, they, they see a mysterious figure on the shore. A figure who they can't quite work out who it is. And why can they not work out who this figure is? Who we know is Jesus. Why can they not work it out? Is is it maybe because of the time of day it is? And and there's not particularly, not very much light? Is it because um, uh, they're far away from the shore? And they can just make out the voice, but they can't make out the person? Or is it because in some senses, in the resurrection, Jesus' body has changed? that he is who he was before, but he is also transformed into a new glorious body. I don't don't think we're exactly told. But they don't recognize the voice. They don't recognize the voice. And then this voice, which they they don't recognize, asks them how their fishing's going. Would you ask a frustrated fisherman how their fishing's going? (laughs) If you were maybe walking down... (laughs) By a local lake or river and you can see a fisherman there looking disgruntled and annoyed would you ask a fisherman how they're doing i think it's the sort of question i would avoid and we can sort of tell from their rather short and snappy answer that they're not particularly pleased with this question jesus says friends haven't you any fish and they answered no Exasperated, frustrated, no, we don't have any fish. Random man on the beach. Jesus speaks. And what's quite remarkable, miraculous even, is that these exasperated fishermen listen. Would you listen if you were out fishing and a random person who you don't even know decided to give you some fishing advice? I've been fishing once in my life. I caught nothing. I've never been again, and I don't want to. And I could be the person giving you advice. (laughs) Would you listen to some random person giving you fishing advice? I don't think so, and yet they listen. And yet they throw out their nets on the right side of the boat, and they catch a mighty amount of fish. Why do they listen? listen because that voice has a natural authority. They listen as Lazarus listened, a man who is dead and yet he rose because that voice has a natural authority. They listened as the storm listened as it raged around the fisherman's boat and Jesus commanded it to be quiet because Jesus' voice has a natural authority. They listened as they have listened since the beginning of this gospel, as Jesus Christ calls these fishermen to leave their nets and to come and follow him. And they followed, not because they knew him at that time or knew anything about him, but because his voice has a natural authority. And so even though they do not know who speaks to them, They listen. They listen. And thank goodness that they do. Because the catch that they have is massive. It's huge. It's ginormous. And thank goodness that they listen. Because in listening, they have this catch. And in having this catch, they comprehend who has spoken to them. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, the, the writer of this gospel, John, he recognizes that that voice of the one who spoke to them is the Lord. And Peter, in his excitement, clothes himself and then throws himself into the sea. Why does he clothe himself? Like, on one level, and I sort of, like we don't actually, it doesn't tell us why, I sometimes wonder if he clothed himself just out of pure, just adrenaline excitement in the moment that he can't think straight. But maybe he also clothed himself in some sense that He's, he, he's a fisherman out in the, on the lake and he's going to meet his Lord and Saviour and so he just wants to look more respectful. Who knows? But he's desperate. He's desperate to be with Jesus. So he clothes himself, throws himself off the boat and swims to his Lord, to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He sprints uh, to get there. And it's interesting how this uh, a means of recognition of Jesus is very common in how in all the stories we've had leading up to this moment after Jesus' resurrection when Jesus met Mary at the tomb she didn't recognize him and yet Jesus used her name and in using her name she realized who he was there's always some sense of of of, of Jesus' nature his authority his power is always of combined with this recognition of who he is. She heard her name, she knows who he is. He entered into a room which was locked and showed the disciples his side, they saw who he was. He knew doubting Thomas' words, even though he hadn't heard, he wouldn't have been in the room to hear them speak. There's always some sense that he reveals a part of his authority, his power, his nature, and they then acknowledge who he is. He tells them to fish on the right side of the boat. They get a mighty haul and they see and they comprehend. And Peter sprints. And then we see in verse, uh, verse 12 that as, um, as they arrive, Jesus asks them if, they've, um, if they want breakfast. He asks these hungry disciples if they want breakfast. And the author of John gives us quite an interesting little like comment in verse 12. Let's just look at it. Jesus said to them, "Come and have breakfast." None of the disciples dare to ask him, "Who are you?" They knew it was the Lord. It's interesting that the disciples know it is the Lord. And yet part of them still wants to ask, are you the Lord? (laughs) They know that it is the Lord, and yet they still want to be sure that it is the Lord. It's like the reality of the resurrection. They can't doubt it, but they're still overwhelmed by it. Are you the Lord? I know you're the Lord, but are you the Lord? Because the reality of the resurrection is still so, so fresh in their mind that they still can't get their heads over it that they want to ask a question they know the answer to but they don't and instead jesus christ gives them breakfast and he gives them fish and he gives them bread and as we hear of jesus christ giving his disciples fish and bread well does that ring any bells in our minds of any previous moments where jesus has done anything with fish and bread It rings a bell in my mind of that moment where Jesus takes a few loaves and a few fishes. He blesses them and prays for them. And 5,000 people are fed. And why does he feed all these people? Because he has great compassion for them. And so in the very closing remarks and moments of John's Gospel, we're being taken to that act of compassion for many. And now we see that act of compassion for hungry fishermen, for his friends. And after realizing, oh, I realize I've messed up my notes. Cancel that. <laughs> um, he's fed his hungry. He's fed his hungry people out of compassion for them. <laughs> Let's keep on going. He's fed his hungry people out of compassion for them. At the beginning of uh, of our our time meditating on John 21, I ask that question, what kind of king um, do we have in Jesus? What kind of king are we serving in Jesus? One who asks us to complete another task, one who puts a weight on us which is going to crush us, and have a voice we have to listen to, what kind of king do we serve in Jesus? One who serves us. One who serves us. What sort of image of a king do we see in John 21? One who helps his fishermen fish. One who, who gives his friends breakfast. The image of a king we have in John 21 is a king wearing an apron. And it is fascinating how the passion of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, are surrounded, framed, bookend, by two acts of service which are very common and very average, and the people of the day would have, would have done every day. The passion is framed by the washing of Jesus, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Then we have the trial, the death, the resurrection. And now Jesus helping his disciples fish and cooking them breakfast. What kind of king do we serve? One who serves us. One who washes his disciples' feet. One who cooks his disciples' breakfast. One who pays for his disciples' sins. One who is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What kind of king do we serve? One who serves us. And thus, what is God saying to us today here in Sidcup as we dwell upon the realities of our risen King? Jesus says to us, My burden is light and my yoke is easy. He is a king, he sits on a throne, he has all power and authority. We are his, but his burden is light and his yoke is easy. We do not have a voice which we need to add to the multitude, we have the voice that created us and knows us and loves us and sustains us. We have the voice which can lead us and can direct us down a path so that we can enter eternal life. We do not have a task which needs to be added to our our to-do list every day and, and ticks off. No, we know the reality of the servant king who reshapes every task that we do so that it has more meaning and purpose and value, so it can give God the glory and it can build his kingdom and achieve his good works. We do not have a weight that will crush us down to the the, the depths of our souls, but we have that yoke which is placed upon us which will lead us. We have that indwelling given spirit of the Lord which will strengthen us for every task that he has for us. The reality of life is life is filled with burdens. The burden of responsibility. The burden of decision making. The burdens of the different situations that we find in life. But knowing the risen Lord Jesus Christ transforms each of them because Jesus Christ is the king who serves us, And this king is taking us home. Because this image that we have here of what Jesus Christ is like after he's, he's ri- risen, it gives us a window, a glimmer, a mere picture of what the resurrection life looks like. Jesus cooks his disciples breakfast and Jesus is going to take us to a wedding feast and a banquet and a celebration which will go on and on and on and on. What kind of king do we serve? One who serves us. Let's meditate on God's word in the quiet of our own hearts, and then I'll close in prayer. is God, King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Father, that your son is a king who wears an apron. That your son is a king who washes his disciples' feet, dies for their sins, and cooks some breakfast. Thank you that your son is a king who serves us. Please, Father God, may the rain the rule, the kingship of Jesus Christ impact every area of of our lives so that we might indeed know, experience and feel that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And please, Father God, may your Son, Jesus Christ, lead us home so that we might see you face to face and spend all of eternity gazing at your glory. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.